Okay, we have a good group here, so let's get started with the Nokar Mantra. Om Namo Arihantanam Om Namo Sitanam Om Namo Ayariyanam Om Namo Vajayanam Namo Luvesavasahunam Eso Panchanamo Karo Savapavapanasano Mangalalancha Salvesim Paramam Have Mangalam Paramam Have Mangalam Thank you everybody for coming. I know we had a long break. I'm never sh ever sure why we have that very first class if we're going to take many weeks off after that, but uh, I appreciate you guys coming back. So I think that when one of us needs help, we should always try to help him because nobody else is going to help us. So it's up to us to help ourselves. So this week we're going to be going over how to reduce our time on the phone or in front of a screen. So before you tune out because you think this doesn't apply to you, remember that it's going to apply to your wife and it's going to apply to your children very soon, if not now. So I encourage you to keep listening for them, if not for you. So the first thing we're going to go do is go over why it's a problem because many of us actually don't see that there's a problem there. Uh, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to understand how such type of reliance develops because you can't address the problem if you don't understand the problem. We're going to talk about what goes on in your brain. Uh, next, we're going to talk about how Jainism can help us, uh, specifically in the context of our children. And then finally, we're going to go over more than 20 concrete things you can do right now to help yourself win this battle. So first, we're going to talk about well, why is this a problem? Why is an increase in screen time or time on the phone a problem? Uh, first, it increases loneliness and depression. While it may seem that you are interacting with people online, um, that interaction is not the same as an interaction in real life. First of all, there's a limited communication that happens. Um, as we know, over 75% of communication is nonverbal. So we're losing out on those kind of social cues. And also, that interaction is mediated, right? So if we take Facebook as an example, there's never going to be a dislike button on Facebook. There's only going to be a like button. Um, and so immediately we see that the interaction between people are mediated by the technology. And that's not necessarily something that you want. Um, and that's not necessarily something that helps people connect with each other. The only thing it helps is increased engagement with the technology because that's what it's designed for. Next, um, these type of interactions fuel anxiety. Of course, we only see the best that people have to offer. We see a highly manicured representation of someone's life online. We don't see reality. And it's important that we see reality because when we compare ourselves to someone else, which is inevitable, although we should minimize it, we don't want to compare everything, our insides, with someone else's manicured, manufactured reality, right? So that creates anxiety within us. Next, it increases stress. Um, and specifically when you use your smartphone at work and at home. Um, 
it, it kind of blurs the distinction between work life and home life. And you deserve to have that distinction there. Um, you deserve time away from work. You deserve time away from work every day. Um, and so if you don't think that you do, if you don't think that you um, can do that, I give you permission if you need permission. I give you permission to spend one hour a day away from your work responsibilities and away from your family responsibilities. And however you use that hour is up to you. But I encourage you to use it for exercise, meditation, prayer, and personal goals, all of which we discussed last time. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Timur, you don't understand. These people give me money, right? Sometimes lots of money. So they can have my cell phone number and not everybody gets my, that cell phone number. These pe are the people that paid for the house I live in. They paid for the car I drive. They pay to put food on my table. Um, but trust me, I understand. Um, what I'm going to tell you is that that's the wrong mindset. That's all true, but that's the wrong mindset. Uh, you earned that money, but you didn't earn that money by always being available. For example, being available at 7 p.m. on a weeknight. That's not how you earn that money. You earn that money by the work you do when you are available. And if you draw a more permanent distinction between work life and home life, home life the work you do when you are available is going to increase very much. Welcome to everyone who just joined. Today we're talking about Jainism and how to reduce our reliance on phones and screens. Uh, we're going over why this is a problem first and then we'll go, go over strategies to address the problem. So we've talked about increasing loneliness and depression. We talked about fueling anxiety. We've talked about increasing stress because there's no work-life distinction anymore. Next, it exacerbates whatever attention um, it kills the attention that you do have, and it exacerbates any attention deficit disorders that you may have had. Um, when you have a constant stream of information coming, it can kind of overwhelm you, and it can make it impossible for you to focus on the things that you need to be focusing on. You know what? how I noticed this one is that when I send an email, if I have a goal in my mind to send an email, the first thing I see is my inbox and I can't help but see those messages and think about those messages and perhaps even respond to those messages before I complete my goal of sending the email that I wanted to do. I wish there was some way I could open the program and go right to the sent box or maybe even get a compose message window without going to the inbox first, right? Um, so when you check something on your phone, let's say your phone dings and you got a text, well, there's about two or three other things you can check just like that on the way. Oh, you got a text, so you check that, but then you see another notification that you missed, so you check that one, and then you see uh, something else that you missed there, and you check that one. So what was supposed to be a 15-second check of a text message turned into a 10-minute engagement with your phone. So you can see how it, this is a problem that multiplies, right? Next, uh, excessive reliance on the phone is going to diminish your ability to concentrate uh, or think deeply and creatively. Um, if any of you have that goal, if you fancy yourself a creative person, 
it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get into that mindset, to get into that flow state, to get into that, you know, space of creativity. It takes a lot to access that portion of your brain. And these distractions are going to make it that much harder to access that portion of your brain. Next, it disturbs your sleep. Um, and it, anything that disturbs your sleep has a very serious impact on your health. Uh, every study that's ever been done that I've seen only reinforces the importance of sleep. I've never seen any study where they say, oh, you know what, actually sleep is less important than we've thought because of these and these and these reasons. No, it's always, we didn't know how beneficial sleep was. It's actually more beneficial than we've ever thought. And finally, it encourages self-absorption and narcissism, which I think is self-explanatory. So does anybody want to push back at me? Does anybody think that this is not a problem? Or does everybody agree that this is actually a problem um, that needs addressing? about that in detail. I've done an experiment, uh, sort of an experiment that kind of is, is hopefully becoming lifestyle now, is I, the first thing I checked is uh, how many times I pick up my phone in a day. And uh, I think probably every one of you know, know how to do it, is uh, go to settings and find out. Uh, and it was 90 plus times. I, I, I'm engaging with the phone 90 plus times, right, and in a day. Right. And somehow we have justified this behavior based on uh, knowledge sharing or, oh, it's important that we need to do it. But if I think of a day when we had this phone and I'm using the phone, tech phone, right? I mean, you know, we had those rotary phones and probably five times a day we picked up that phone. So obviously 95 to 5, 90 times less I could have touched my phone. Right. Um, how many phone, I mean, calls did I get? Probably less than five. So uh, it was just the curiosity and desire to, to check WhatsApp or Facebook or LinkedIn and, and, and what anybody is doing or, you know, can I share something or, or tweet something. And it has freed up the time. Uh, it, it has, I mean, even if you do want to check, just open up your phone and see how many apps do you have it open at any time. Like, and you will see it's gonna be multiple unless you are very particular about closing this app. So I am 100% convinced it's, it's use of our time in a, in a way that it's not productive. It actually has, a, a, it's a big distraction like you said that because you know, uh, whether we want it or not, our brain are wired in such a way that uh, you know, if somebody is having a grand birthday party uh, for their kids or something and you know it's like okay you know something we can do uh for our kids as well well it's not a journalism way right i mean that can detract take us away from what we should be doing and should not be doing so that that's just an example one example of how it distracts us and there are a lot of other examples but i i am in complete agreement it isn't distract it is a distraction and i have experienced one last thing i'll say that i have experienced checking news before i go to sleep <laughs> neutralize that thought uh, and I, I justify that sometimes though I watch full of times of India because it's the beginning of the day there and it, it just you know now it could take an hour before you can uh, go to sleep now just because of that that thought uh, of 
of flipping uh, to that website. So right. I think the more we can do in that front will be be better for us as a human being, definitely. Great. So let's try to understand what's going on in the brain to try to help us understand the problem. Um, so the cell phone, uh, a cell phone addiction functions like a gambling addiction. That is, let's take the example of a slot machine. Uh, a slot machine operates on what's called a variable reinforcement schedule. That is, you access the machine. You don't know whether you're going to get a reward. And if a reward comes, you don't know how much it's going to be. So when you access your phone, sometimes you get a reward. The reward is a text, an email, an update, a social media post, something like that. And you don't know if you're going to get it every time you access your phone. And you don't know how many times you're going to get it. That's called intermittent reward. And this idea of intermittent reward is very important. Believe it or not, intermittent rewards is how they train animals at the zoo. Uh, so usually when they train animals at the zoo, they use food. But what happens is they found out then when they give a, gave a predictable food schedule, such as you do this task, you get one item of food. You do this task, you get one item of food. You do this task, you get one item of food. The animals weren't interested in the tasks anymore because the rewards were too predictable. They became boring. The rewards were just another fact of life. But when they mixed it up to this intermittent reward schedule, you do this task, you get two items of food. You do this task, you get nothing. You do this task, you get a whole day's worth of food. Well, now all of a sudden the animal is very interested in doing these tasks. Um, and so Facebook is training us just like the zookeeper trains the animals at the zoo with this intermittent reward schedule. So... Each of these little rewards, now instead of food, they trigger a dopamine release in the brain. So the four major pleasure chemicals of the brain are dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and norepinephrine. And they do different things. And so for our example today, we're going to concentrate on dopamine. That is, when you check your phone, you get a release of dopamine. And here's the thing, while you're checking your phone, before you actually check your phone, that is during the anticipatory moments of checking your phone, you get twice the release of dopamine that you do when you receive that text. So let's say you start typing in the password on, the, on your phone. Let's say you receive two units of dopamine. You receive a text, you receive one unit of dopamine. That means the anticipation is better than the, re than the thing itself. Now that creates a vicious loop of where you like to check your phone, even though nothing may be there. So this is a type of intermittent reward schedule um, that occurs in the brain. Dopamine is the reason we seek out more food and sex. So it's a very powerful chemical and it has the ability to alter our behaviors for our entire life. Once you start seeking dopamine, you seek more and more, and it becomes harder and harder to stop because life becomes boring without it. Um, and so here's a, here's a good quote from a researcher named Dr. David Greenfield. He said, one thing my research made clear is that human beings have a deep primitive desire 
to know everything that's going on around them. So these social media companies have hacked into our desires. And as we know, there's no greater way to change your habits than to hack into one of these deep desires of food, security, sex, safety. And this one has, uh, and social media companies have hacked our desire to know everything that's going around us. It's about control, right? We want control. So our brain evolved under circumstances where somebody half a world away in a different country could have no effect on our life. Okay, let's just pick any country, okay? Let's pick China, okay? The way our brain evolved was somebody in China could have had no effect on our life. So whether we knew about that person or not made no difference. We didn't care about that person. We cared about the people around us. We cared about the food and the animals around us. And we care very intensely about them because they can control our life. We couldn't even communicate with people in China, just as an example. But now we can. Now we know what's going on there. Now we know what's going on in India. We can read the news there. Now we know that that person, people over there, can affect our life. Well, now we're very interested in what they're doing because of control. We're very interested in knowing all the little bits of information that could control our, control our life because we want to take control of our life. So that's an instinct that we grew up with and that's an instinct that social media ex exploits. That is, this fear of missing out. That's one kind of example, specific example of this overarching topic about control. We have this fear of missing out. So we like to check our phone to see what's going on around us. But the thing we have to realize is there's no way we can receive all the information that is available anymore to us. Once upon a time, we could take in all the information about which, about things that could control us. Now, no longer the case. We cannot take in all the information about the things that can control us. And we have to be okay with that. So questions about how this intermittent reward schedule works and how, um, how this addiction develops in our brain. Okay, so I'm lucky enough to, to, I'm old enough to know that social media, not being on social media, has not hindered my life too much. But the problem is, if my children are off of social media, let's say I just ban the use altogether, um, in some real sense, they don't exist. And that's, doesn't, that's not with me, but that's with my children. Because if they opt out, their peer network uses social media as their Rolodex. Because it's very easy to create a face group invite, right? And then I'm going to say, who do I want to invite to my party? Well, my social media is my Rolodex. Let me go on Facebook. I'll invite everybody. Nobody remembers to invite the weird kid that's not on social media, right? That's the power of this opt-in process. And so if they want to be part of that thing, well, they have to be on there. And if they're not on there, they don't exist in a real sense that doesn't apply to me. The problem is, of course, by participating, we're pitting our children against companies 
that devote billions of dollars into exploiting their insecurities to increase their engagement on social media, to use them to sell advertising, and to sell other to sell their data to other companies that also want to exploit them. They have no chance. They have zero chance. This is not a David and Goliath situation. This is an elephant stomping on a blade of grass situation. If I'm putting a 13-year-old against these billion-dollar companies, the government's not going to help us. The regulators have been bought off and captured. The politicians are not going to help us. They've been bought off and captured. The only people that can help us help our children is their parents. And one of the ways we can help them is by using a forgotten precept of Jainism called Anartha Danda Parimana Vrata. What is that? That is a vow you take to avoid purposeless activities. So a lot of young people know that, oh, you know, scrolling on my phone wastes my time, you know. Um, it, time is the most precious thing at all, uh, of, of all, and I'm wasting my time scrolling on my phone. But we can reinforce to them that, you know, scrolling on your phone is a sin because it is a purposeless activity. You could use that time so much better because, as we've discussed before, Life is a brief opportunity for Nirdra, right? You have to realize how precious this time as a human is. And if you viewed yourself as a soul, you would realize that wasting time on your phone is wasting time that you won't get later because you won't be in a human form to perform Nirdra. That is, doing purposeless activities is a sin. And that's one way we can try to stress how important it is because we've already discussed that they have to be on there so we can only give them weapons to try to fight this battle on their own um, and those weapons will help safeguard their attention we want to tell our children to be conscious of the situations and that make you want to reach for your phone and the best example here is um, catching yourself if you're trying to eat better and you catch yourself opening the fridge and closing it, right? Look, you look in there and you close it. It was It's not even lunchtime. I don't know why I looked in the fridge. I don't know why I went in the pantry and opened it and closed it. If you catch yourself and say, what series of mental processes led me to open the fridge and close it? What was I going through? Was it loneliness? Was it boredom? Was it I have five minutes in between these things that I have scheduled and I just went to the fridge to see what was in there. If you catch yourself, um, you can kind of eliminate those things that make that lead to the consequence of picking up your phone. Another thing we can tell our kids is to be strong when your phone beeps or rings. That is, if it beeps and it's on the table over there, let it beep. Let it be over there. Um, and... Notice what feelings you get. Notice the urge to check it come up within you. And notice that it goes away. And it's going to be like a muscle, just like meditation takes practice. This is going to take practice. That is, you let your phone be your phone and you let it be over there. It's doing fine over there. It'll take care of itself. You don't, you don't have to be on the leash of your phone. Um, one thing we can do with our children is, of course, uh, lead by example. Um, if our phone beeps, we let it beep. It's over there. We're engaging with our children. So questions about that. Um, I wanted, we have uh, 
a lot of time left. I wanted to save the mo majority of our time to go through concrete actions we can take now, specific things we can take now. So questions about any of the previous before we get into the really specific ideas that um, we can do now to help combat this problem. Um, I'm not sure, uh, you may have already done this one, but you may have already watched, there is a Netflix program called Social Dilemma. Uh, ironically, I watched that last night. And what you have mentioned is, is, is to the point, so accurate. Um, and uh, I made sure the kids watched this program with us. It was a little disturbing at, at times, uh, especially for 11 years old. Right. But, but it is, it, it, what you are mentioning, what you are saying is, is so accurate. And it's actually scary at times. Um, the, the social media, including and everything that we touch nowadays has created this, this monster among us that has, that has, uh, that will have some serious impact on the society if some, something is not done and not done correctly. Uh, that's how I pers personally, I feel that. And uh, this uh, AI and the machine learnings and everything is against us. Uh, I mean, we will still have a we will still have a way to think through these things. But for kids, it's going to be very very hard, like you said. So I agree with everything what you mentioned on this one. And and there are a few recommendations in that program too. Hopefully, we'll go through those things. Uh, and I'm, I'm eager to learn more about that thing. But yes, I think I will highly recommend, I will send that link out after this call, after our conference, uh, that I would recommend every single person who is listening in on that group, uh, because that applies straight to us. Every single person who has a phone, it applies to us. And uh, what a better way to do it than Jainism. That is, that is perfectly put in place. So I appreciate you picking up this topic today. I think it's beautiful that you watched it with your kids because so many times like if we had watched it ourselves as parents and we go to the kid with that information, they just tune it out because of where it came from, right? Uh, they right. just in one ear and out the other. But if it comes from another source, it goes maybe to a different part of their brain and maybe they take it more seriously because we're always telling them things they can't do and half the time it's things they could have done anyway. So... <laughs> Oh, you're absolutely right. I think it, it creates a, a, a different mindset once you go through with them. And like I said, it, it, for smaller kids, it's, it's still way, way too high for them. But I think once you go through it, once uh, you as an adult start following through it, I think the habits will be developed within the family and which will go a long way. Right. Okay, so let's talk yeah, about... I think you said... Um, is, is interesting that it's an addiction and something in me made me compare to like you know drugs or other type of addiction whether it's video game rather nowadays you know there's actually a therapist a doctor therapist I know that he concentrates on video game addiction and things like that so obviously the problem it seems to me at least in my mind that this addiction is closer to more people than drugs or video games uh, uh, or anything else like that. And what was interesting to me that I've heard, uh, you know, pronounce uh, Jain Acharya's talking about sex uh, during the recent pollution. 
And I, I didn't get that. I, I wasn't expecting that and it was a bit of a surprise for me. And then coming to find out that has become a big issue now with everybody having technology in their hand. And uh, that's becoming a big problem in India. I, and I, I'm sure other places as well. But, you know, it's getting to a point, like you said, that it can kind of almost to a point, you know, have a, a major impact on us. And, and that is also one of the example of uh, what, uh, what is happening in the society uh, because of uh, phones and technology that I think we praise that uh, on technology on, on the good fronts, which we, we, we all, I think, agree on that. That's why we are here together, even in such environment. But the downside of it is as scary uh, with the social media and other, other, you know, uh, advancement of, which I think it's a product of technology. Uh, so, uh, but I, I'm, again, I, I would love to see the, this, uh, Netflix series and, uh, and learn from it as well. And I, I could completely agree that we need to address it. Otherwise it's going to take over us and our family and society, uh, sooner or later. There is one quote in that one, I think I remember that says that there are only two industries in the world where the clients are called users. One is the software industry, other one is illegal drugs. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about concrete things we can do, specific things we can do. Number one, that is restrict some Restrict your cell phone use to some areas of the house. That is, don't allow the cell phone in the bedroom. That is, you can use it anywhere. It can go anywhere in your house. But once you enter the bedroom, then keep it on a table right next to the doorway of your bedroom. That is, so you won't um, decide to uh, have it in a place where you sleep. So it will help with your sleep. You won't decide. And you can have an escape from your phone. If you feel like, oh, things are building up, then you put it on the table and you enter your bedroom and you will feel a difference. You will physically feel a difference. You'll physically feel some kind of burden lifted from you, believe it or not. Um, and have you ever, and, and, and it works too. It may seem like it doesn't work, but it works too. Have you ever been doing something and you went into a room and you said, wait, why did I come into this room? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I just... I was thinking of something and then I came into this room because I wanted to come in and now I don't know what it is. Well, you know why that is is because of the doorway of the room. That is the doorway of the room physically separates. It's open. The door's open, but it physically separates one one um, environment from another environment. So if you train yourself to do this, to leave your phone outside of the bedroom, you will physically feel a difference in that same way when you come into the bedroom. Next. Don't use your phone as an alarm. Remember how we always say there's a right answer to when you pray and that you pray in the morning and you say it out loud because you want to start your day with a certain mindset. If you pray in the evening, it doesn't do anything for your day. And that's the, the prayer doesn't do anything then. You pray in the morning because you want to start your day with a certain mindset. Now, if the first thing you do is engage with your phone to turn off your alarm, you're starting your day with a certain mindset that says, this is the most important thing. And not only that, a lot of times we turn our, on our alarm and we go right to the news or we go right to what's been going on since we started. 
You don't have to use your phone as, a, as an alarm. It's a $600 piece of equipment. You can still buy a $10 alarm clock to keep by your bed. Okay, so don't use your phone as an alarm because that sets the tone of your day. How about you start by praying in the morning instead of, turning, instead of engaging with your phone? Next, turn off as many notifications as possible. I know it's tough, and they make it tough on purpose to try to figure out these notification settings. It's hard on purpose because they don't want you to turn off notifications. So here's a couple of tricks. First, try turning off all your notifications. And then see which ones you quote-unquote need for your work or for something. And just turn those on rather than, having, rather than deciding which ones to turn off. Turn off all of them and decide which ones to turn on. Okay. Next is figure out on your phone what the difference between a sound is and a vibration and a beep. There's different kinds of notifications and make sure you use them for different things. And next is figure out what silent is. That is, a lot of young kids do this, um, so we could definitely learn from young people that silent is not vibrate, because you can still hear a vibrate if your phone is on a table. Um, silent is just that. It's silent. Um, there's no vibration and there's no sound. Well, why do young people keep their phones on silent? And I mean everything is silent. The phone ringing is silent. The texts are silent. The, app, the notification from apps are silent. Why do they keep it on silent? Because they know they're going to be accessing their phone at like 10 times a day, if not more, right? They already know that. In five minutes, they're going to look at their phone. Um, so they don't need to know if there's a call because they're going to look at their phone and they're going to see a call. They don't need to know if they received a text because they're going to look at their phone and they will see the text. They don't need to know if they received a notification from an app because in 10 minutes, they're going to look at their phone. So for these 10 minutes, they can you know, concentrate on whatever it is they're doing. So use the silent feature on your phone. Next, don't use any screen one hour before bed because it changes your circadian rhythms. And this is one thing that I do. I use a blue light filter. Uh, and now I just use a blue light filter all day. Um, and it eliminates all the blue light and it gives a kind of yellow tint. It may look ugly to you at first, but you get used to it. Um, and then once you realize that the, your eye strain has been reduced, you'll never go back. Install software or apps that monitor how much screen time or smartphone time you use. Um, so if you put it in numbers, here's the first thing that people say when you're trying to lose weight. Is that write everything you eat down. Just write it down. We're not talking about counting calories yet. We're not talking about reducing your diet yet. Just write it down. And people are so surprised when they have to write down everything that they eat. People are so surprised when they look at it at the end of the day. They say, how could I have eaten all this in one day? You know. So if you have the data available, as uh, Mihir mentioned, about how many times you pick up your phone, you might be surprised. Uh, you, you might be very surprised. Okay, the, the, so... The internet is the world's largest slot machine and the smartphone is the world's smallest slot, slot machine. So remember that. Remember we talked about intermittent rewards. Next, consider using the color settings on your phone to make your, turn your phone into black and white. You're not going to be losing any notifications. You're not going to be losing any information. What you will be losing is the colorful wonderland that your phone is that you like to engage in that you like to become a part of, that world where you like to access. It looks boring. And 
hence you hopefully won't want to access it anymore if it's all black and white. Create a list of things that you and your child can do that doesn't involve a screen. That's great. I like that one. I like this next one too. Learn to tolerate boredom. So we used to be bored. Does anybody remember that feeling anymore? I don't have enough time to be bored anymore. Um, But when I was a kid, I remembered I was always bored. Um, And learn how to cope with boredom. Learn to be bored. In fact, if you learn how to meditate, you'll never be bored again. Because you will always be monitoring your thoughts and you'll be like, why did I just think of that? What series of thoughts led me to think of that thought? If you learn to meditate, you'll never be bored. Um, But for our kids, tell them that they have to learn how to be bored. That is, learn how to cope when you're bored and don't immediately reach for your phone. And this is the deal, right? This is the real life. It's like, Oh, I have five minutes in between this thing or I'm standing in line at the grocery store. How are you going to tell me that looking at my phone is a sin? I'm just killing time until I get into the front of the line. Well, you could use... What I want from you are examples of how could I use that five minutes here or that two minutes there. Let's be specific, okay? Let's say we're waiting in line for something. We have nothing to do. We're bored. We're Okay, let's use this example. We're waiting for our food to take out from a restaurant. We're just waiting. We can't leave. We can't go up and bother them. There's nobody around to talk to. I want to pull out my phone for five minutes. It'll help me pass the time until they call my name and say my food is ready. What am I supposed to do? I want one of you to tell me. Our kids are going to push back. A book can't fit in your pocket. A book can't do that. And I can read the book on the phone. That's the whole reason I have the Kindle app on my phone. I reject your answer. I'm so sorry. I thought you were talking about waiting in the car while waiting for the food to come in. Oh, okay. So, okay. It doesn't matter. Waiting in the car. But the the problem is the book's on my phone. The book's on your phone. Okay. Focus on your thoughts. Right. Focus on your thoughts. What will that get me? This goes back to your meditation. You, you're more mindful. You're aware of your surroundings. Exactly. It doesn't take that much to concentrate on your breathing and focus on your thoughts. And to focus on how you got to those thoughts. A, a five-minute meditation exercise can do wonders for your whole day. If you did five minutes of meditation a day, you could change your life. And you have five minutes at the restaurant. And it's not like you won't hear that person when they call your name. You're not that great a meditator yet that you won't hear them when they call your name. Uh, Right, so focus on your thoughts. So here's the problem. My thoughts are boring and I get bored. And this is what my kids will say. I say, when I tell my kids, listen, there's like this thing in your mind that's like a television. And you can change it to any channel you want. And you can think about whatever you want to think about. You can think about the TV show that you like. You know what they tell me? They say, Dad, my TV's broken. The TV in my mind is broken. (laughs) (laughs) I say, repair the TV in your mind. I don't know how to repair the TV. I'm not a repairman. (laughs) I think that's, that's very interesting. I mean... 
th there was an instance, I mean, you know, to, to kind of expand on your example, uh, I had that instance. I was at the, the car shop uh, getting my inspection done with kids. And, uh, you know, it was like the next question is, what do we do? When you get there, they're, they're checking your car. You might be there 15, 20, 30 minutes. What do we do? And you look around and then, you know, there are no kids nowadays, but even if there are, let's assume there was a kids now, you know, like other than mine were with me, but like, okay, either they are on phone or they are on a technology. I mean, they're usually on phone, even the adults, they're on phone. And as a parent, I think I tend to even, when I drive or things like that, I tell, tend to tell them, oh, look outside. There's so much to look and, and think about. But what do we do when we have a five minute break? You're absolutely right. It's just get on that phone uh, because maybe in that 15, 20 minutes you drove, there is a message. So I feel sometimes it's a Hippocratic uh, behavior when we do something and, I, and I, we ask our kids to do something else. That happens more often and, and, and that's partially because in our mind we justify that because we're an adult, we are allowed to look at our phone more often, whereas since they're kids, they have to look outside the window. And, and you know, sometimes I catch myself, but still that pressure is so much, maybe that's dopamine that's, that I'm wanting uh, with the urge to look at it, but it's, it, it's a challenge. I, I don't know how to solve it, but, uh, it, and the kids come up with the creative answers with a lot of different things because you're like, oh, you do it all the time and that, that's not a creative, but uh, sometimes it feels like, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, and it comes out a different way, but uh, it's a true problem. Any, has anyone ever had this experience where your kid tells you to get off your own phone? Of course. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yes, all of us in the same boat. Every day. Every day I've been told that. So, so it's interesting that, uh, you know, looking back, my kids goes to a certain school for the dance, and twice a year they have a program that they perform in Wordham Theater, and they go for rehearsal. And this is rehearsal is six and a half hours long that they have to sit there. No food, no drink, unless you have some allergies and no technologies allowed. And their performance itself is less than 10 minutes in like three or four different shows, right? So I always wonder and tell them like, how do you kill that six and a half hours over there with your performance being only 10 minutes, yes, you do change this and that, 30 minutes max, six hours, how do you do it without, you cannot interact with this COVID, you cannot interact with anybody, you cannot do, so every single kid either have an activity or they just talk. They just talk out, come up with the stories, talk about their lives, talk about something, and they kill five to six hours. But the key on this one is they're mentally ready to do this ahead of the time, not on the spot, but ahead of the time. So I think more importantly is we need to be constantly be reminding them that that's going to happen. You're going to go to the mechanic shop and it's going to be an hour long. You can think through it ahead of the time. And if, if they're mentally ready, they would be able to do it. And so, as, so, so do we. We need to do the same thing ahead of the time. Get ourselves ready before you go there and say, this is what I will do or I will not do. And that might help. Hey, this is uh, right, right. Oh. Go ahead. Okay, just real quick sharing my experience. Uh, I 
I personally feel sometimes, uh, I, obviously, I won't lie that I get in this, caught in the same boat where kids do tell me. And, you know, uh, three out of five times I say you're right and I, I, I stop whatever I'm doing. But a couple of other times the expectation is set in terms of that, hey, it's something, it's not like work, work related, but something that I'm looking for that is apt to the situation that I have to. And it won't be long. It's unless you're like, you know, on the phone for hours long. And then the kids do understand that during work time, like, you know, you have to look at the phone, you're looking or researching something um, versus playing a game and getting addicted to that game aspect. So, uh, I mean, and I've showed my phone to the kids. I don't have a single game at all. It's mostly all utility apps. And uh, obviously, I, I, I do uh, agree to them that, yeah, I cannot be always uh, uh, like, you know, doing some utility related stuff or uh, uh, things like for planning and whatnot. So at, at our place, the expectation is during the evenings, yeah, you reward yourself by that five or 10 minutes for every hour. And then after a certain time or like, you know, either at the dinner table or whatever, absolutely no use of phone. That's great. That brings up another point. We talked about restricting the phone use from geography, from your bedroom. But restricting a time is also very successful for most people. No phones during dinner time, no phones during important times, and then using it as a reward for, okay, we got through that. Now we can set aside five minutes for this time to do these things, to check our messages. And that way we make it a, a healthy kind of interaction. I think one one thing um, is, is we need to do, uh, as you suggested, Timur, is to plan. And uh, I think, like I'm sorry, Bob and Bai said earlier, that we need to plan things. And you know, going back to my mechanic shop example, I mean, there was so much to learn and 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 observe. You know, as they have a glass window, and you can see through how they lift the car and why they have a basement. And, and we we had a great conversation afterwards. But what I had to do was remove that urge of looking at my phone and check my things and then after you get into it it's a beautiful experience but that that is where we are you know we are kind of uh prisoner or host of that uh, of this phone and technology and social media uh that we need to break those barrier and i think it's hard to do and uh and i, I think I, I think with the help of uh genism and you know meditation focus. I think we can do it. It's hard, uh, but I think we can do it uh, and, and engage in more productive activity rather than uh, uh, the unproductive activity that we do by, by engaging with social media and phone. And that brings up an interesting point. You were at the car shop and you interacted with the workers there. I don't think that many people would do that. I think they would feel like, oh, it's not my business or I don't want to or I'm scared a little bit or to do that interaction. And let's say there was other kids there. What are the chances that the kids would have started playing with each other? If it was a different time, it would be 100%. Like, I'm bored, you're bored, what's your name, blah, 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 blah. Let's play together. Obviously, it's different in COVID. I was at the passport office just the other day. We met a family there um, and we got to talking because it was like two hours delayed. I had an 11.30 appointment. We didn't get out of there until two. And the kids were talking, you know, um, they were playing with each other and they were doing that. Um, so what are the chances? 
is that there has been some degradation in our ability to do that in real life with other people. Um, you you kind of—it's not like an introvert extrovert thing either. It's like it's like what are the mechanics of introducing yourself to somebody, of finding common ground, of finding a similar topic to talk about that's not like religion or politics or something. Um, at the car shop, it's natural that you would talk about cars. At other places, it's natural you talk about other things. That's a skill that we have that we can teach our children. And that's something explicit. It's not something, oh, you'll learn it as you grow up. No, here's how you do it. You introduce yourself to another kid. You say, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. What's your name? Or, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to play? Or, hey, let's play together. That is something that's a skill you can learn. And it's a skill you can practice. And that's something that maybe people don't teach each other. Or maybe they thought they would get it by osmosis or doing something like that. But it's clear that that's not happening. Uh, it's clear that you need to teach your children, say, well, how to, how to navigate these social activities. Not only navigate it, but how to initiate them and how to follow through with them and how to conclude them. We've all been to a party where like, I don't know how to get out of this conversation, you know, like I'm stuck in this conversation. I need to get out of here and talk to somebody else. We don't know how to do it. It's a social skill that you acquire. And so by teaching them that there's a certain way you do it, they'll be more confident in that. And they maybe they won't be part of that group that is just sitting around and looking at their phones all the time. Another specific thing we can do is just like uh, if you were trying to limit your diet, you'd limit your phone diet um, by setting up um, certain times of the day that you can do it. Certain, just like you'd set certain things you can eat and not eat, you'd set like you don't want to eat the things that are unhealthy for you. Well, guess what? Facebook is unhealthy for you. You don't want to consume that. I'm going to consume this instead. I'm going to start consuming healthier apps instead of unhealthier apps. That is, I'm going to switch the time. Maybe I don't reduce the time on the phone. Maybe that comes later. Maybe the stepping stone to getting there is switching from unhealthy apps to healthy apps. So I think the parallels in trying to lose weight are very obvious here. And another parallel is a detox, right? A lot of times what we need is just to get rid of it completely, get rid of a new environment. If you're open to trying it, you know, put the phone away for two days. See what your kids think. Maybe for a weekend, maybe one Saturday and Sunday. Try it as a family. You know, put it in the box and see what's going on. See how you feel. See if you have to play games with each other. You know, talk to each other about how you're feeling. Do a kind of a digital detox. And then maybe they'll be open to more lessons about how they're in control and about how they can control the use of the phone rather than it seeming the other way around. Isn't that one thing that I, I am struggling with, and more so with the working from home, that you know, if you don't answer something immediately, then it's considered that you are not attentive or you're perceived as that. Or at, at least my perception is that, that you know, now expectation is, uh, now people can even see whether it's a text message or email when you have seen it, and you are expected to respond it right away. Um, it, it's it's that urge that uh, you know if I if I respond to somebody a day later I have to say sorry first because I didn't respond it soon enough. Uh, as a society, that expectation is out there, whether it's the email, text messages, uh, and you know that that's a, the way out. They say, okay, yeah, I have to check my emails. 
and answer my emails because it's important. But why is the society we're getting there? And even if it's, if it's not now with working from home, it's it's the weekends, nights is not an issue. You you have to be able to respond anytime because now you have the resources available. Is it? I'm the only, am I the only one who feels that way? Me here. Uh... I, I can tell you that I used to be like that once upon a time. Uh, definitely my job roles switch that helped quite a bit. But I also learned to say no and besides saying no, I also learned not to set expectations to answer immediately. And uh, during meetings or with project teams that I work with, the expectation is if it's urgent, you'll call me, you'll call me twice or you'll text message me, otherwise it's emails. And if it's emails, you write urgent. And if you set an expectation that you're answering after an hour, after a couple of hours, uh, uh, it, it takes time to build on that for others to, to understand that, but it automatically sets that expectation. And personally, as long as like you know, you're delivering, you being myself or oneself is delivering, working, everyone acknowledges it, I, I think it's easier to get out of that problem. There are a couple things going on and I want to try to um, delineate these differences. One, it's different when you're at working hours and when you're at home hours. So let's talk about uh, home hours. I think it's okay to push home hours to the next day. Um, and, and unless you're a doctor, I don't think that if somebody emails you or texts you at seven, and you get back at eight the next day, I don't think it's a problem. Um, so I think that that's fine. Now let's talk about working hours, okay? I think that what Jintan said was amazing is that he has set up boundaries. And it's important to do that. I think it's very important to set up boundaries as far as returning messages. Um, also, <clears throat> in, addition to the, in addition to boundaries, I think it's important to, to see, well, the difference between checking and responding. And it's going to be different for everybody depending on your workflow, right? Well, I can see an email come in and I'll make a note for later and I'll continue what I'm doing versus me having to respond right away. Um, so those are two different things that we're going to have to navigate. And, and also, um, I don't think that, I think it's more of an issue you say that there's that expectation there. There's that expectation there because you have that expectation from other people. So you expect other people have that expectation from you. My guess is that unless it has been clearly communicated to you that I expect you to respond within an hour to my messages from your direct boss, that that expectation is more something that you have of yourself or you maybe wrongly think that other people have of you. I think that first we need to stop apologizing. If you get back to a text within the next day, don't say, oh, sorry, I was doing this. Here's the, your answer. Just give the answer. First, stop apologizing because there's nothing wrong with it. Um, second is to um, create that, as Jintan mentioned, create that expectation of, hey, you got one business day for all kind of responses. Uh, depending on your industry, that's usually good enough. Okay, is that one business day you'll get the response unless it's something that you're working on intimately with somebody else and you're collaborating with and you go back and forth multiple times during the day. That's going to be different for, for everybody. Um, and so how do we break free of that expectation? 
is to think about the importance of the thing. One, one thing we can do is to think about the big picture, right? I want you to note each time you have that, just like we talked about writing everything you eat down. Well, write everything you, all the expectations you had, like, did I really have to get to this the next, right away? Did I really, what would have happened if I did this? And as you look at the bigger picture, I think you'll start to see that it is not as urgent as you think it is. I'm not, I don't know your specific situation or the specific, specific situation of everybody here. And in some cases, yes, there are. And that's why I can't give you a blanket answer, right? That's why I'm just giving you ideas to think about it differently. I suspect that the way it will go is that I probably don't need to respond to everything at a certain time. So what I can do is use this one hour, one hour and a half to concentrate on what I'm doing and then use 15 minutes at the end to reply to everything that came in and then make that be your loop. Do that three times a day and that's your working day. So I think that's one way to get over that. Thank you, Tim, and thank you, Chintan. I think that's that's really helpful, and I'm I'm going to try to. That's my next uh, next attempt. I'm going to try to implement it. I know that was like a really convoluted answer, but it's a different answer for everybody, and so I wanted to try to give um, actionable advice. Does anybody else have that? Have something more succinct they can use to respond to that? Uh, that is. How do we deal with that expectation of being available at work? And how do we set up those boundaries? I guess the only way to set up boundaries is to set them up and enforce them, right? The only way to do the thing is to do the thing. And I think that that happens a lot. That happens quite a bit. Um, so thank you everybody for your time today. I really appreciate your attention to this important topic. And I think that whenever one of us needs help, we should always try to help each other because nobody else is going to help us. Thanks everybody for coming today. Hey, Timmy, real quick. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to share with everyone, uh, for our family, you know, everyone is online. Everyone is, even kids are studying online. What what helps us is in breaks, like, you know, if we splash water on the eyes, uh, and it, it helps to refresh, and it also helps with that, uh, uh, the stress and the strain in the eyes. Uh, so I just wanted to share that my kids have been trying it, and they have uh, thanked uh, me and my wife that uh, to bring it up and say that, okay, or do this so it, it'll definitely help with with being on i like that splashing water on the eyes has anybody ever when they felt sleepy pulled their ears five times well that's interesting haven't <laughs> yeah you pull them really hard and it helps you pay attention it helps you uh eliminate your drowsiness that, that is good to know uh thank you for chintan sharing that one um We'll definitely try that, and I'll share with kids. Uh, Timur, you mentioned about blue light protector. Can you tell me what it is or what product? Is it for everything, like uh, does it come for computer screens and phones and everything? That's right. So on Windows, it's called Nightlight. There's also separate programs you can use called F.Lux, so Flux with the period between the two first letters. And what it will do, it, it will eliminate the blue light from your screen, and you can also use it on your phone. I have an Android and um, 
It's called Blue Light Filter on Android. And you can set the amount of blue light you want to come in through, and it will reduce the eye strain on your eyes, and it will uh, you'll start to see everything in kind of a yellow tint, but you get used to that within a couple minutes. Also, it's like a software. You don't need any hardware like to, uh, to put it in front of your screen or anything like that. Right. It used to be like old like blue blocker sunglasses. You don't need any of that anymore. You don't need to put anything on your phone. It's all software. It changes the color output of your screen. Oh, okay. Well, it's going to be my next task to, to figure it out on the computer because I, I'm spending a lot of time on computer. Um, so uh, that's why it's, uh, it is. Uh, one quick uh, note, and uh, there's a personal interest in this as well, but uh, I, ha I have started my MBA. And, uh, Congratulations. I, thank you. Uh, one of my class is uh, accepting, uh, you know, real world problem or issues, including nonprofit. So I have reached out to Jayesh, um, and obviously I'm working with company, but there's always MBA agreement and things like that. But if anybody has a problem, and if we have a problem that we want to solve or come up with, uh, where you know a couple of MBAs can work on it and, and provide some solution or some guidance, uh, let me know. Um, and and I, I am hoping that we'll find something from JSH that we can work on it uh, together, uh, well, as, as a team. But if you have some ideas, something where you need help with, or something that you run into it, if you have time, uh, uh, that I, you know, some other input can help, uh, please let me know. Sure thing. And write up a little um, blurb about it and use our dad's class WhatsApp group and let everybody know. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.